In modern times, one of the most difficult issues leaders are faced with is helping those who struggle with mental health. No longer can we simply encourage a good measure of scripture study and prayer and expect everyone's life to stabilize. This is why Leading Saints felt it was so important to organize the Mentally Healthy Saints Library. There, one can find 25 plus presentations all about ministering to those who struggle with mental health. We cover topics like depression, anxiety, scrupulosity, or OCD. We even cover how to effectively refer individuals to professional therapists and make sure they are getting the help they need. This and so much more. If you'd like to review all of these sessions, we would love to have you do so at no cost. You can visit leadingsaints.org 14 and get access to the full library for 14 days. You'll also receive access to all our virtual libraries where we cover additional leadership-related topics. So click the link in the show notes or simply visit leadingsaints.org 14. Hey, if you're a newbie to Leading Saints, it's important that you know, what is this Leading Saints thing? Well, Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And the way we do that is through content creation. So we have this phenomenal podcast, we have a newsletter, we have virtual conferences, so much more. And articles on our website, I mean, I could go on and on, right? <laughs> and we encourage you to uh, jump in, check out Leading Saints, uh, go to the search bar at leadingsaints.org and type in some topics and see what pops up. We're just glad you're here to join us. Tyson Bradley, welcome to the Leading Saints podcast. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Now we're we're old pals. We go to conferences together, right? That's right. <laughs> we've uh, what was it last year? I guess two years now. We've gone to the uh, the Funnel Hacker Conference. It's a it's a lame for marketing nerds. So we go there and <laughs> and geek out over marketing principles. And so we've hung out there and then just associated as we've uh, both been in this quest of building an audience around a, a great message and helping people and whatnot. So when people ask you what you do for, for work, what do you tell them? So it's evolved. But now I tell people I'm a neural bypassing coach. <laughs> so that they go, <laughs> a neural bypass. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's like they have to lean in, right? Yeah. They're just like, nice. wait, what are you talking about? Neural bypassing. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like, how do so we... And I guess I, you know, I'll follow up with a question because like, yeah, what is that? Well, the thing is, it's all about bypassing this brain of ours, which likes to be bound to the natural man and the things of seeking pleasure, avoiding pain, doing what's familiar. And I think that many people don't realize that we have this access to a spirit that has always been there. We've always had these spirits within us. And what if there is a way to channel that or at least to have the spiritually minded life overcome the carnally minded life? And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess that's kind of what I, what I teach and what I share with people. That's cool. And it's typically done in like a coaching type of uh, arrangement, like one-on-one coaching, right? Yeah. One-on-one coaching, even in group coaching, it's just sharing the truth of who you really are. And using that identity to bypass this brain of yours that wants to keep you stuck. Nice. And is, do you typically work with the Latter-day Saints or do they just happen to be Latter-day yep. Saints? Yeah. 
Yeah, nice. for the most part, I attract that that crowd, and and I think in part <laughs> two, it's just uh, <laughs> it's who I am, and it's and there's so much that we teach in terms of the gospel, and that we know even in our doctrine that confirms these truths that just resonate. So yeah, that's what I find. So whenever I get together with like therapists or life coaches, I'm always just curious, like to take a, a temperature gauge as far as what you're seeing that the problems people are wrestling with or bringing to you. Are there any themes that come to mind? Like as you're coaching people that you've seen a lot of mm-hmm. maybe around a certain concept or addiction or marriage troubles or any, any themes come to the surface? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think that obviously depending on who you're talking to as well as the coach, like they see the problems that they help most with. And and so some of the things that I, I see out there is just a general confusion Hmm. And confusion in the sense of people not truly knowing what they want and being willing to go after it. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't know, it's it's one of those things where we usually use confusion or we tell ourselves like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And this lack of revelation seeking because we're afraid. We're afraid mm-hmm. of actually doing the work or afraid of what's going to happen on the other side or having to get out of our comfort zone if we actually start pursuing that which our heart has yearned for, for who knows how long. And yeah. so that's what I find is is common is that, you know, with all my clients is that they, or they may know what they want. We know what we need to do, but that we just don't do it. Yeah. And is it one of those things like, and we sort of always blame the brain when it comes to these things, like the brain is sort of programmed to protect us, right? That, uh, mm-hmm. oh, it's, that's scary. And so it's going to give us, it'd rather default to, oh, maybe you're just confused rather than you don't want to admit that you actually want to take action and do things. Right. And that's, that's the idea of, you know, it's not like we're trying to um, resist this brain or like beat ourselves up because we have this dumb brain. It's like, God gave us this brain. It's like, yeah. He gave us this whole body and he says like, okay, hey, go down there. And, and I mean, I just recently did a presentation on uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And mm-hmm. that's just a very popular psychology framework that talks about how, you know, at the base of our fundamental needs is we need safety. We need like, we need to be able to know that we can survive like food, shelter, water. And then we go to a higher level, which is knowing that uh, we're secure, that like we can provide for ourselves and, and other things. And then it raises to self-esteem and, and other things. And at the top is self-actualization. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, so the brain is like concerned about all these things first. Like we're not thinking about, oh, I'm going to go accomplish my dreams when we don't have food. Yeah, right. Our brain is going to be like, go get some food. You need it to survive, to live. And I remember sharing this presentation. I said, you know, if I was if I was God and I had all these children, then I wanted to help them have the perfect opposition in all things to be able to learn and develop their godliness. Do you know what I would give them? I would give them a brain. <laughs> I would give them a brain to do all of these things, to get scared, to just like have all these emotions. I'd give them this brain, this body so that they could discover themselves. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I think is powerful is, is okay, let's not, think that this is anything's gone wrong everything's gone right it's just how do we become aware of what this brain is doing and then use it as a way use use all the opposition as a way to understand who we really are which is this godly being this we're made in the image and likeness of, of god so okay 
what does that mean? How do, how do we do that? Yeah. And at the essence, that's what you're walking into when people come to you for coaching is like, all right, Tyson, I, I, you know, I have these goals and these wishes and desires, but this brain thing, I don't know how to use this tool or or we kind of feel like it holds us back at times, but they, they, they're coming to you and then you're maybe giving some tactics and perspective, how to, how to walk through and, and, uh, leverage the brain that God gave us rather than see it as a hindrance. Right. You know, and the thing is for, for everyone listening, it's like, you all have these desires, you all have these wants and whether it's to improve relationships, whether it's to improve your health, whether it's to improve your, your business or your career, whether it's to improve your spirituality, in any case, there's bound to be some resistance of you doing things that you know you want to need to do. Mm-hmm. And it's this process of understanding who we really are and getting to an identity kind of place that allows us to bypass the brain altogether and just live almost, it's like, let's live from the heart. Let's live from this place of true connection that is, you know, our spirit. And in other words, and like be spiritually minded versus carnally minded. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So you've put together a manuscript or, or a book and it's, and if I understand right, it's not generally published, but it's something that you, you use uh, in your coaching and whatnot that, is, is that accurate? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I only printed like two copies. Here's one. I, okay. Like, you got one in your hand there. I've got one in my hand. I printed two copies. And the thing is, one of my goals when I was writing this book, I remember thinking to myself, I am a New York Times bestselling author. Uh-huh. And, and just when I say that, it's like, wow, that like for some reason that feels true. I don't know why. It's like, that just feels true. And so it's like I got to writing and, and in the process of writing, you know, I realized a lot of people may write books and they may even get on the New York Times bestselling list. But yeah, it's like to get on the New York Times bestselling list, you need to sell pretty much like 30,000 copies of a book, a hardbound book within a week or two. And I just thought about how what would be more valuable to me is having the most applied book in the world. Hmm. It's like, I could sell 100,000 copies and only 100 people apply it. That to me would be like, ah, that's a failure. No, like it doesn't work. (laughs) Like I want you to use this to actually change. And so what I did, I was just like, oh man, you know, what I really want is people to to apply it. And so what I've done is I put this book within a, a membership that people can have access to for free for like a two week trial in this membership. But it's like, you can read and listen to the book and, and apply it. It's like, okay, let me put it in a container where you actually can work on it, use it and create yeah. something with life from it. So that was kind of a, a neat experience, but that's so is where it, it is. Is it, is it like almost a textbook or, or manual that people could use as they, as they go through some of your coaching? So the very first chapter is like, is the framework that I think we'll walk through and talk through in this podcast. And then the rest of the book is more so it's just like, let me tell you stories and principles that like reinforce the truths within this framework so that it like becomes more clear and more actionable. And then within the membership, it's just like, yeah, here's like, let me lead you by the hand, walk you through step-by-step the videos and tutorials and just everything to help you reclaim your inherent identity and bypass this brain of yours. So that's what it's all about. Well, uh, walk us through this model then, and maybe we can find some application 
through because I guess from what we were talking about before, it's all based on the concept of identity, which is obviously yeah. at the core of our theology as Latter-day Saints is this, you know, an emphasis on identity that there's a lot of power there. And, and even President Nelson has talked and referenced that as of late that uh, you know, we'll find strength and power as we go back to our identity and really understand who we are. And so I assume that's part of the yeah. uh, or the main focus of this of this framework. Right. You know, and the thing is like, and I don't know if it's just that our minds are being open to it or everyone's, but it's like more and more people are talking about this, you know, in the conference that you and I met at and went to, it's like identity was all over that, that conference. Mm -hmm. And then President Nelson and other people, I think it was, uh, Elder Uchtdorf's like, Jesus Christ is the strength of youth, right? It's like identity. It's like, that's who he is as a person. And so it's, all around us. And the more that we pay attention to it, I think you'll, you'll find that it can make a huge difference in your life when you start to apply it. So awesome. Yes. Let's unpack right. this. Yeah. Where do we start from? Where's a good a jumping off point okay. here? So the framework, I call it the method, the inherent identity method, and it follows the acronym of I am me. And so Love it. the I stands for ideal. And this is all about understanding with whatever goal you're trying to create, it's like, what's the ideal version of that experience? And so maybe for you, Kurt, it's like, what, what is an ideal? What is something that you're wanting to improve? You know, whether it's church calling or other things like that, what's something that you yeah. would think would be awesome? Yeah, when, this has been on my mind as of late with uh, my, I, I have a new calling and I, I feel like I have to announce this to the, uh, to the leading saints audience just because we talk so much about callings and I'm going to reference this, but I was recently called as young men's advisor and we have a, our ward was just uh, created. We went through a split. They made two wards, three wards. And so we have the, a smaller ward, but we're in a, a place that there's a lot of development happening. And so, you know, we should grow into, into a big boy ward someday. But so we have a young men, I think we have four deacons, one teacher and like eight priests. So, and I'm primarily focused on the deacons, but we kind of help each other out just because they're small numbers. So that's why they gave me the general title of young men's advisor. So yeah, nice. I'm working with the, the deacons and it's interesting going through this early process. You know, we, we sort of had the planning meeting talking about different activities we want to do. And I kept coming back to like trying to think through this because it's really fun to talk about, you know, let's do, let's play basketball a lot or let's do these fun activities. Let's go hiking or whatever it is, but to come back to the core, be like, wait a minute, like, what are we trying to do here? Right. And <laughs> what's our ideal, you know, going back to this model. Yeah. And when I sit with that, I'm thinking, well, I obviously these young men, they can do fun stuff with their school, with their friends, with their parents, their family, but what can we offer them rather than just another thing in their week where they have to go and do something. Right. And so and obviously the handbooks provide a lot of perspective here, but I think it is, you know, developing a relationship with Jesus Christ, having spiritual experiences that they can remember and begin to develop a relationship with God and, and Jesus Christ and whatnot. So that's sort of where the my mind is when with my calling and, you know, this term or this uh, word of ideal. Yeah. Okay. So what I caught from what you said, it's part of your ideal is that we're able to create experiences where young men develop a relationship with God, with Christ and experiences that, that they remember. Yeah. That's something that you kind of mentioned. Yeah. Uh, th th there's uh, 
obviously a spiritual development is happening rather than just an entertainment value, right? I think it's easy with the youth to go there. Like we just at least want, we don't want them to be bored. So let's do something fun. But obviously everybody wants to have the spiritual component to it. Right, right. Anything else that you would consider is like, you know, what would you love to have happen? What would you um, love to have happen in this in this calling? You know, another that's talked about that I really love is this, uh, you know, allowing the youth to lead, right? I would love to not only give them a great experience, but also enable them so that they feel like, you know, I actually can lead out and, and you know, I have the support and resources, but I'd love for them to feel enabled to really lead, you know, and, and mm. sometimes it's trickier with deacons rather than priests because they're just, they're still maturing and they maybe don't feel as confident and whatnot, but yeah. Yeah. Now, is there any kind of ideal in terms of how you personally want to experience this mm. calling? I guess I haven't thought about that much. I would say I would love to, you know, I'd love to feel like I'm making a difference, like that they are, they're seeing me as like a resource or a mentor. You know, I'd love to step into a mentorship role with them, that they feel like they can trust me, that uh, they can take hard questions to me. That I provide, you know, some value that way in in their developmental process. Awesome, yeah. Okay, so if we take this this ideal, the next step is amplify. And for anyone that's applying this and listening to this, I want you to write it down. So you, okay. you take your calling and you can think, okay, yeah, what is my ideal? Let's just bullet point it out, like we're just doing. Okay, I'm going to develop a relationship with Christ, spiritual development, allow you to lead feel like I'm making a difference. Trust in me. I'm a mentor. It's like, awesome. Okay. Now what we want to do is we want to be able to amplify it. Now, amplify just means what would the dramatized version of this, what would be the 10X version of this ideal? Because hmm. a lot of times we actually think very small and yeah. what would make this over the moon amazing. So if we were to just, if you were to just think of a few things, and I'll, I'll help you with this because this is actually hard for sometimes for people sometimes. <laughs> it's like, what okay. would make this even, even greater? It's like, I yeah. don't know. So what do you think? Would well, yeah, that's interesting because especially in a, like a church context, it's easy to sort of keep it like you don't want to out, outdo the, the war dynamic, right? But in reality, it's sort of like, why not? Having an experience where these young men want to maybe invite all of their everybody they know in the surrounding area to participate in what we're doing because it's just so dynamic and engaging, right? Is that, am I on the right track? Is yeah, yeah. Oh track? yeah, keep going. Uh, that, uh, so going back to those those ideals of like, that not only will I become a great mentor, but, you know, that these young men will maybe look for deeper connection and mentorship in many other relationships in their life. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it might help. So it's just like, okay, young men develop a relationship with Christ. Like what would the amplified version of that be? What would be um, the most amazing outcome that you could possibly imagine with that? That they will, yeah, what would that be? I mean, obviously the thing is, you know, we, we'd love to see someday that they go on a mission, but that's almost like too, I mean, it's sort of already in the formula, right? Like, so to push past that, that, ah, I don't know, like as, as teenagers that they'll, they'll actually lead out in their homes, you know, when it comes to spiritual development, in their home, they'll, They'll become a mentor to their siblings when it comes to spiritual stuff and learn how to contribute on a spiritual level in their homes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, maybe this is one of my gifts, but just being able to help like expand the vision here. Because I want you to imagine like, what would it be like if these young men 
created such a relationship with Christ that they are walking with him every day. Yeah. Like, can you imagine that? Like, can you just imagine like what kind of young men these men could be when, when they are going about and, and at school, they're listening and they hear the spirit and they act on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that, they can hear so clearly and they can, yeah. it's a really, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an obvious relationship with Christ. Right. That like, it's so obvious that you like, you see them and they shine and you can tell mm-hmm. by their countenance. It's like, that's amazing. So it's yeah. just like, okay, we don't want just them, them to just have experiences that they remember. We want them to have experiences that profoundly change who they are. And then they share it with other people. Yeah. And it inspires them. Now all of a sudden, like you said, it's like they invite everybody they know and everybody around them that, that's connected to them. They just want to be around them and they come mm-hmm. and our quorum has expanded, you know, tenfold, whatever. Yeah. So it's just like, I just want to like highlight here, just this, the expanding the possibilities, just like what a healthy exercise this is for any leader to do is, is creating the space to actually mentally process this because we default to the, the natural boundaries and, and they're not even like, nobody really even really put them there, but we default, you know, we create them naturally like the handbook. So he's, oh, what does the handbook say? Right. And last Sunday I spent some time in the handbook, just reading over like, okay, like now that I'm in this role, like. I just really want to make sure I've got my bases covered. I'm doing it. But then the handbook's there to sort of guide and get some momentum going. But we often use it as like, oh, this is as far as I should go because that's what the handbook says, right? So to have this exercise of expanding the possibilities is really, it's energizing and, and can really lead to a more positive experience in, the, in whatever calling you're in. Right. And here's the thing. I want you to literally notice like what's happening within you as we yeah. expand it. Yeah, it's energizing. How do you feel? Like energizing. Yeah. It's just like, oh my goodness. Yeah. What if, what if instead of just, we allow the youth to lead, but it's like, they become leaders like yeah. truly. And they, their lessons are almost as powerful as my own, if not more. Yeah. I don't just feel like I'm making, even for me personally, that, that I don't just like feel like I'm making a difference. Like I know it, I can see it and they do trust me and that I am a mentor. And so once we expand this now, it's like, one other aspect of this amplifying is I want you to, when we imagine this kind of scenario, this kind of experience, we can amplify it in terms of the energy and the feeling of it by just saying, I'm so happy and grateful that this is what's happening. Like almost let's have this idea of gratitude ahead of time is what I call it. It's like, what if we just like, we're grateful that this was the truth. Mm -hmm. This is the truth of what we want to create. So I'm so happy and grateful that these young men, they invite everybody and they know they're leaders and they're teaching and they're so powerful and they, they just have this countenance about them. They're connecting with Christ every single day. I'm so happy and grateful. This is the truth. Yeah. Now yeah, I love, I love that the, the sort of weaving in that gratitude, right? Cause yeah. we, we sort of hesitate or, or, uh, we, we accept gratitude to come later once it's already behind us. Right. And it's, it's hindsight and it's like, wow, I'm grateful for that. But we can be grateful on both sides of the experience. Right. Yeah. And part of the reason why it's powerful is because, you know, you talk about the the energy of this. It's like, well, one of the most beautiful feelings of even the spirit is like, is this feeling of gratitude and faith mm-hmm. and hope and charity and love. It's like, these are the fruits of the spirit, right? Yeah. And so it gets us into a place where we are more connected with heaven. We are more connected with this spirit. And from this place, I want you to kind of keep this feeling and this, okay. this vision of the young men's because as we go into this next step, which is M for movement, this step is all about what is 
my next step? Like, what is my next action? What is the next best action that I am to take? Mm -hmm. So from this place of gratitude, from this place of energy and feeling the, the amazingness of this vision, I can say, okay, now what, what do I do? Yeah. And so for you, it's like, when you just are in this state of feeling grateful, it's like, what do you feel is the next step? Hmm. Well, I think, you know, I obviously don't want to be in this realm of expanding possibilities on my own. And so I've even originally had the thought of maybe reaching out to some of the the parents of the the young men, you know, the deacons that I'm working with and maybe just having conversation with them, right? Or at the beginning of this sort of this calling, this experience, I'm the new, you know, young men's advisor or whatnot, and uh, to sit down with them and maybe hear some of their expanding possibilities that they have, you know, what would you like to see happen with your young man? You know, do you just want me to distract him every Wednesday night? <laughs> you know, that's sort of where we're at. That's the starting point, right? Like, yeah. I'll, uh, you know, watch your kid on Wednesday night if you bring him to the church and uh, we'll have some fun activities. But man, what if that was at the bottom? What what would uh, more possibilities mean, you know, look like? And so, yeah, I could stimulate that conversation and look at other, you know, the possibilities I could have with them. Yeah, so. yeah. You know, and, and here's the thing. It's like, we don't need to get caught up in a bunch of actions. All we really need is what's the one next step? What's the one next step that mm -hmm. like comes that, you know, that's not coming from your head, not coming from your brain, coming from your heart. It's mm -hmm. like, what is this next step? Well, it's like, I don't know why, but I just like had the thought or the feeling that I should reach out to the parents. Let's have mm -hmm. this conversation. Yeah. You know, and I, I might, I might offer what could this kind of conversation look like with the deacons themselves, like yeah. with them individually. It's like, because parents will have their vision of their child. It's like, I want you to be this. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then the child will have their own vision. It's like, but I want this. And a lot of times what we think is we can't satisfy everybody's desires. It's either this or this. And what I want to just offer is like, what if it's like we could take the ideals of you, we could take the ideals of the parents, we could take the ideals of the youth, and we could combine them and say, what if we could accomplish all this? Yeah. What if we could create something that is truly unique and profound that is without like outside the limits of what we have normally done? And yeah. you know what? That's what's so fun about this is that when we start to just receive, we just start to do things differently because we're operating on a whole new level. It's like we're, we're, we're not thinking about entertaining and just maintaining the status quo. What we're thinking about is like, man, what? what are we really going for here when it comes to this experience of, of life and with these, with these youth and with these kids? So, yeah. Yeah. And that it includes everybody's, you know, ideals that, you know, that not just the leaders or not just the parents. Yeah. Right. And that's, a, there's a lot of revelation stimulated there. Um, let me insert just one question here, you know, through this process and this, I know this is like your bread and butter when it comes to life coaching, but it's natural when you're talking about ideals and then you're trying to amplify those ideals and then you're, you know, moving people to movement that they can't help but be dragged down by the limitations. Like, oh, Tyson, this is a cute process that you're leading us through and everything. But if, you know, if you knew how my ward council works, like they would shut this down in a moment or, you know, like uh, I, I just had a run in with a parent of the, the young man on Sunday and, you know, this is not going well and there's no way that she'll even talk with me, let alone have this, you know. So what comes to mind when, you know, as people go through this and just like, but Tyson, what about these limitations? Right. I'll say that first, firsthand is that I love limitations. The reason why I love limitations 
and when they come up is because they allow us the opportunity to discover who we really are. Mm. So, you know, if we even take this example, I was just like, yeah, Tyson, that's all nice. But it's like my word council is this way and there's no way that they'll accept something like this. I would say, okay, let's take that. I want you to take that and I want you to go to God. I want you to go to God and I want you to tell him and not just in a prayer that you say in your head. You must write it down. Like talk to God through the written word. Hmm. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to do this, but I don't think that the ward council will accept any of it. And then you can write the question, what do you want me to know? Hmm. And what do you want me to do? And then write out whatever comes to mind. If you don't think that anything's coming to mind, just like, you're just like, uh, nothing's really coming to mind, but write, literally write down, nothing's really coming to mind. Because as you do that, it's like, I can promise you, you will start to receive more revelation. You will start to actually receive something of what God wants you to know about this. What does he want you to know? Not just like about the situation, what he wants you to, wants you, what he wants him, you to know about yourself mm-hmm. and who you really are. Because, you know, the next step of this process that also helps with the resistance is the next M, which stands for manifesto. And this is where we get into the identity. Oh, cool. So when it comes to this framework, it's like, okay, we got the ideal. We've got this amplified ideal. It's like, oh yeah, it feels amazing. It's such a cool vision. I love it. And now the next step that I just feel guided and prompted to do is just to reach out to the parents. Yeah. Just start having a conversation. And I don't need to think any more of that. Like, don't overwhelm yourself because the brain was like, want to look at a bunch of actions and be like, nope, I don't want to do any of that. That's way too much work. So it's like, okay, next action, reach out to the parents. And now we get into manifesto. And the idea is that we can create an identity statement that aligns with what we've just written out about this amplified ideal and this movement. And one of the easiest ways to do this is we just take the action and we create it into an identity statement. Now, to share you, the way an identity statement works is that it must begin first with an I am. Makes sense. <laughs> right? I am. Yeah. All right. I am. And when it comes to your action here, it's like reach out to parents. Like you, It could be as simple as just like, I am a parent reach your outer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be as silly as that. Just like, you know, I like to use some kind of alliteration sometimes. It's like, I am a parent. It's like, I'm a parent collaborator. It's like, yeah, I am a parent partner. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, and what do I do? I partner with parents to bring out the best in their kids. But the fact, this manifesto, what it's all about is we have an I am statement paired with a doing. So I am dot, dot, dot. And what do I do? Because who we are and what we do are connected, inseparably connected. And so when we start to describe this, and maybe it's just like, I am a masterful mentor. I am a spiritual director. I spiritually direct these youth to becoming connected with Christ. It's like, this might be and we just experiment. We're just like, okay, I'm going to write out a bunch of statements that I think it captures what I'm trying to create here and what I want to do. And I'm going to see what feels best. Yeah. So as gotcha. I've said a few examples, like, what do you think? Yeah. So first, uh, so I'm looking for an identity statement followed by a, like a action uh, yep. process, right? So yep. like I, I am a, a youth mentor who engages 
engages with parents, like engages with the, the parents of youth to, to help them spiritually develop or something like that. Again, we're, yeah. you're just working through it, right? Massaging yeah. it a little bit here. Yeah, massaging so, it. Yeah. So, but yeah, that, you know, that mentor word is a, that resonates, you know, deeply with me that, yeah, that's what I, where I want to show up, right? So I'm, I'm a mentor. Is that too vague or? No, no. Is that good? Okay. No, and see, and that's the power of this is, and what I want to emphasize for anyone that just like goes through this process is what does resonate with you? For some reason, like that word mentor, like that's important to you. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing is like, why? Where did that come from? I mean, I guess it's, it's come up in various interviews and I've, you know, as people talking about leading, you know, especially in the youth dynamic, you know, Dan Duckworth talks a lot about the concept of mentorship with youth and the, the importance of it and the power of it. So, and especially with our, this tradition we're trying to establish of letting the youth lead, right? That yeah. I, I don't necessarily want to be a youth leader. I want them to be the leader. I want to be the mentor, right? I want to be on the sidelines, someone they can come to, to, to engage with. So, and here's the thing, it's like, we can try and put words and explanations around why things resonate with us, but at the end of the day, it just does. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, there's something about mentoring that resonates with you. And I would venture to say that this is a spiritual confirmation of the truth of who you really are. And so yeah. it's just like, and when the spirit confirms the truth, I love uh, recently Elder Bednar gave some, I don't know if it was like a youth devotional or whatnot, but I remember writing it down because he said, you know, a spiritual confirmation is more powerful, more enduring than what any of the five senses can provide. Hmm. And, you know, you think about what we do in terms of missionary work, what we do, you know, there is no way that anyone can give me any evidence, any brain-based approach to explain the Book of Mormon not being true and me believe it. There's no Mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. I cannot believe it because why? Because I've had a spiritual confirmation in my heart that transcends any other evidence, any chatter, any argument, any kind of thing that my brain could offer, it just can't stand against it. Mm -hmm. And so in the same way, what we're looking for here is when you say I am a mentor, do you feel the truth of that? Yeah. Yeah. It resonates on a spiritual level, like, you know, on that identity level for sure. You know, and and the thing is, when we think about these statements and we think about these words, we describe it in usually like analogies. It's like, it just lands. It Uh hits home. It feels right. It feels like connection. This is like, whatever that is for you, if it lands like, okay, let that be the truth and see it as the truth of who you really are, this inherent identity. Mm -hmm. So if I really am a mentor, then what do mentors do? Yeah. Uh, and you're asking me that, right? You want me? Yeah, to- <laughs> go for it. Well, if I'm a mentor, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm taking those. And that's why the, I want to circle in. I want to understand these youth individually. And, you know, it's hard to just sit down with a 11, 12, 13 year old and say, Hey, you know, tell me about yourself. Right. They're, they get a lot of shrugged stories or shrugged shoulders and uh, I don't knows. And so that's why I feel like a, a mentor would reach out to their parents and other influential people in their life and just say, you know, tell me about these individual deacons and yeah, and what do we need to know? Like, what what have you you've been around them for twelve years or so? You know, so yeah. I feel like that's what a mentor would do is try and understand them on that on the most basic levels possible. Yeah. So see, see, like you know, even as we talk about this, now we're clarifying what is the action. So it's like mm-hmm. I individually connect with each young man and their parents to bring out the best in them. 
Yeah. So it's like, I am a mentor. I individually connect. So it's like, okay, we can just like, okay, that's my statement. That is my manifesto. That is my mantra. I was like, that is who I am. Mm -hmm. And which leads us to the last step, which is E that stands for evoke and evoke. This is all about reminding ourselves because the most repeated word within the sacrament prayers is remember. One of the mm-hmm. most repeated is like, besides all the like, and us, the, you know, <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's remember. It's like, it's said twice. So it's just like in, in both prayers. So it's just like, we need to remember, we need to bring back the truth of who we really are. And so evoking, it's all about, okay, I've written out this statement and tomorrow when I wake up or as I go about the day or when I have any kind of time set aside, it's like, I need to remember, I am a mentor. And what do I do? Well, I individually connect with the men and their parents to bring out the best in them. Mm -hmm. And the more that I remind myself of this, the more that I evoke it, the more that I bring it up, the more I live into it. And the easier it becomes to do the actions, the hard actions that come with like doing big and, and grander things. Because a lot of times to do these big things, to be able to create like these amazing experiences, we had to do things that we've never done before. Yeah. And there's going to be resistance there. But what I have found is that when I connect to an inherent identity, when I connect to who I really am, it doesn't become, it's not hard anymore because why? Well, it's because it's who I am. Hmm. Yeah. And that's where you, we evoke, right? That's what, yeah, you evoke it. Nice. You know, and I remember reading uh, in the Bible dictionary on prayer. It's one of my favorite definitions. It says, as soon as we understand the true relationship in which we stand with God, namely that God is our father and we are his children, then at once prayer becomes natural and instinctive on our part. Hmm. Many of the so-called difficulties that arise in prayer come from forgetting this relationship. And so in a similar way, I like to think about how this identity that we have, it is natural and instinctive. The spirit confirms the truth of how things are, how things will be, and how things always have been. So you have always been a mentor. That's what the spirits confirm the truth of. It's like you have always been, you always will be, you are now a mentor. You don't have to wait for it. You don't have to like think, I'm not that quite yet. It's like, no, that's who you are now. And you always yeah. have been. This yeah, is there, there, there's this feeling of I've now I've got to go out and earn that. Right. right. That, earn the title. Right. Yeah. I need to provide evidence. I need to create evidence to prove the truth that I am that. Yeah. No, but like this was set even before you even came to this world, you've always been a mentor. Yeah. And so, you know, when you tap into that, it's like the problems that are going to occur with you not being able to create this ideal will be because you forget. It's because you've forgotten who you really are. And so thus the need to evoke, that's the need to remember. That's the need to regain and reclaim our inherent identity every day. So that's the IME. It's like ideal, amplify, movement, manifesto, evoke. That is the process. And when you go through this and when you actually apply yourself and connect to the truth of who you really are, you will find that you actually create change a lot quicker than you ever thought possible and that you let go of all the resistance and start moving into a path that is so powerful for you. So, yeah, that's cool. And I just love the, the identity component, which is sort of the foundation of all of this that, you know, and obviously you coach people through this on various dynamics in their life, whether it's career, or health or whatever. But I love it in the context of the calling, because in all things we do, we have to, 
I don't know the best way to say this, but like infuse that our identity into it or find our identity in it, right? Like, because God is like inviting us into these challenges and these callings into these stages of life in order to teach us more about ourselves, right? And yeah. so by going through these processes, these exercises to, to really invite that process to take place is really energizing and can really, especially I'm just thinking maybe there's somebody, you know, I'm at the beginning of this calling, but maybe there's someone who's on their fourth year as a young man uh, advisor or whatever. And they're just like, oh, like it's gone stale. They're just praying for a release, but maybe let's step back into it from a perspective of identity. And like, you know, what's the story that maybe God is inviting you into in this, in this dynamic to reveal more about your identity. And it's, right. it's powerful. Yeah. You know, and to think in terms of, okay, for some reason you're in this place and I'm thinking of all the leaders that are in branches and, you know, they just rotate through the callings. This is my third round <laughs> being branch yeah. president, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, you're there for a reason. Yeah. You're there in that place for a reason. And yeah, like there might be slim pickings, but you're there again, called to that, that opportunity. And like I said earlier, what a beautiful experience to be able to say, you know, Hey God, what do you want me to know about this? It's like, there's a reason why I'm here and there's, you know, you've called me again and, and I'm having troubles, but what do you want me to know Yeah, about who I am in this experience? All right. And I, and I love this, this type of activity where, you know, you've got some, you're sort of seeding it with some questions and, and guiding them through a little bit, but there's just something about, you know, obviously we have a deep tradition and belief about revelation, inspiration of those things, but oftentimes we don't create the space to do, you know, we do the scripture study thing, but mm-hmm. we're almost too preoccupied with, you know, what does, you know, second Nephi 10 say, and you know, what, how should I apply? You know, we get kind of in the details of it, which is great. And, you know, as we all know, how it blesses our life, but I've been trying this uh, as, as many times as I, I can. I, I go to a, a gym just down the street from, from my home and uh, it's like in this uh, strip mall. And then another, there's this uh, Christian church, part mm-hmm. of the strip mall and, and part of the, uh, I think they, they fund their, their church and whatnot through this cafe that they have. So sometimes after the gym, I would walk in there with just a notebook and, and a pen and I'll yeah. just sit at the table. Maybe I'll, you know, I'll get a hot chocolate or something just to pay rent for the, that hour there and there. And I just yeah. sit down and I'm just sort of processing and writing some thoughts down, like getting out of my head, They're just sitting there. And for me, I, you know, if I'm on a computer, a lot of us, when we're doing stuff, especially in our careers, when we're in front of a computer and there's just, you know, the email boxes pulling us in, maybe social media is pulling us. And there's such a power of just sitting down and saying, okay, you know, what are, what are my ideals here? You know, what am I trying yeah. to do? What thoughts come to mind? Right. And so creating that space uh, with an exercise like this is, is really powerful. Yeah. All right. So I want to, and you can, if this isn't effective, yeah. I want, I want to record something here that I think would be beneficial because I think it was beneficial for people to see how you modeled that and you led that, led me through that with a yeah. personal experience. But we're going to put a timestamp of this point in the episode in the show notes so people can touch it and it will jump to this part of the episode. And maybe could you just like guide people through this with just some questions and I'm not going to respond to them. And so yeah. people can listen to the Tyson question and then hit pause and then write or whatever. And then they maybe come back to this and go through it with their own calling or, or whatnot. Is that, yeah. would that be effective? That'd be beautiful. Yeah. So I'm going to just be quiet and you just ask questions that they can pause and uh, come back or if they're driving their car right now, they'll skip ahead yeah. and come back to this later. But Okay. So here is a review 
of the process, the I am me method. First is ideal. What would you love to experience? What do you really want with this goal, with this thing that you're trying to create, with this experience? You can think about it in terms of even like your scripture study. What would be ideal with your prayers, with your calling, with your work? What would be ideal? What would you love to experience? And then amplify it. Hey, for amplify, what would be the 10x experience of this? What would be the dramatized version of this? You can take every single bullet point that you write out in your ideal and what would make this even more grand, more amazing. And then after you write down what would make it even more amazing and powerful and such a beautiful experience, being able to sit in that vision of it. You can actually visualize it. And I want you to think in terms of also like being grateful for it, being grateful for this vision and saying gratitude ahead of time. It's like, I'm so happy and grateful that this is my experience, that this is the truth, that this is this vision that I have. And from that place of gratitude, you move into the next part, which is movement and ask the question, what is my next step? What is the one thing that I feel guided to do. And with that one action, we move to manifesto. We move to creating an identity statement. And you can simply take that action and you can turn it into an identity. So with your scripture study, you might want to ask a question before you get into study. You might just feel guided to that. And so I am a questioner. I ask a question before I go into my study. So I am the manifesto will be an I am plus an action, an I do. And once you create that I am statement, and I do, and it may not sound pretty, but choosing words that resonate with you, that make sense to you, that just you know land for you and hit your heartstrings a little bit, just go with it, learn from it. And the last step of evoking it, reminding yourself of the truth of who you really are, waking up in the morning and reminding yourself, this is my identity. This is who I really am. I am a questioner. I am a youth mentor. I am a powerful presenter. If you're presenting at a, at a conference or, or at work or whatnot, I'm a focuser. It's like, I'm, I'm a focused person, even that. It's like, I focus at work and I get things done. So as you go through these steps, the whole point is for you to connect with and to feel the truth of who you really are. And as you do that, you're going to be able to show up in that area of your life or that thing that you're trying to create in a much more powerful and guided way. So that's it. Love it. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we did that. Now people can go through that section as many times as they need if they're feeling a little uh, lost in their calling or not sure where to start or even in their marriage or life or wherever. So that's cool. So I'm glad good. we did that. Well, Tyson, what else? Any other principle we need to hit before we wrap up? Or do we, was that a good, uh, good synopsis of it all? I guess the only thing that I'll touch on, and this is something that I feel is really powerful within the membership that I, that we have is it's called the Inherent Identity Family. And one thing that we do is every single morning, we actually get together for a kind of like meditation prayer slash receiving. I just think that we have such a challenge with receiving revelation. And you mentioned that like going into the yeah. cafe and just writing things down. And I have experienced so much more personal revelation 
the moment that I started writing my prayers down. Mm. And so this morning experience, I call it inherent tuning. It's just this opportunity to connect with heaven and to get revelation every single day. And that's been some of the most powerful things that, that has happened within, within this group and, and just in my own life. And so I would just highly encourage that we change the, we might change the way that you pray a little bit. Cause I mean, even just two years ago, I was the kind of person that would say a prayer at the end of the night and I would fall asleep on my knees. Like, <laughs> no, you're the only person, Tyson. I, well, I, well, that's <laughs> no, the thing. It's like, I know that other people do this, but <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I was so, so, you know, tired that I would fall asleep in my prayers. And it's just so hard for you to keep a conversation with heaven in your mind and to like pause long enough to listen and even receive anything, let alone write it down. Yeah. And so that would be my, my invitation. It's like, I just know that this is such a need. And it's one of the things that president Nelson has even mentioned. It's like, we need personal revelation more now than ever. So yeah. I have to plug that in. I love that. And just like, again, not that there's like a right tactic that's going to just make prayer awesome, but just like switching it up. Right. Cause we've uh -huh. been praying our whole life that sometimes you just get in the rope uh, prayers, you know, which we're supposed to avoid. Right. And I know for me, like talking about tactics, one thing I do because I'm, I'm the same way. If I just mm -hmm. kneel down and I close my eyes and I just start going through that prayer thing, like it goes, it becomes stale. I don't feel like I'm connecting and, or I'm, you know, rushing between things or whatnot. So one thing that I've done and it involves writing. And, and to me, I think it's so powerful to write these things down. Plus I have a record. My children can look back on things that I was, was praying for, but I answer three questions in a small journal every day. I write, well, not three questions. I write three sets of three things three highlights of the day, things yep. that happened during that day. And, and these are like one sentence things, right? I write down three things I'm grateful for. And then I write down three, I call them glories to God. And so these are three wishes. I mean, again, it goes to ideals or amplifying. Like I think the most ridiculous thing, like I've written some examples of things I've written before is like, I will interview six members of the Quorum of the Twelve. You know, like, like things that if they happened, there would be no doubt that God was in it. You know, That's and awesome. because it, I feel like it's this mental exercise that stretches me to, that helps me amplify the ideal, right? Wow. I can just say, I just hope I have a great interview, or I just hope that I'm producing content that's helpful to the world. Or I'm like, no, I want President Nelson in my, you know, I, I want like, I want to go to that level and just yeah. say like, God, if you were to ask me like, this would be so amazing that I could say nothing but to point out and say, that's your glory. Like this was all yeah. God. I don't know how this happened. And so uh, anyways, it's good exercise. And then as I pray, you know, in maybe more formal fashion, it may not be as long because I've already done the mental work, the mental processing through that written mm -hmm. thing. And then it's just like, then I just sanctify it. Like, God, here it is. I've written it down and we go, you know. I love so, that. Yeah. There's, there's various ways to do it, but I just, even just the process of like, I'm not just going to kneel down and mumble. I'm going to like sit down and write. You know, it's, right. it's great. I love, that. love it. All right, Tyson. Well, uh, if you want to learn more about you and good work you do, where would you send them? Inherentidentity.com. That's nice. it. Nice. Love it. Well, the last question I have for you is I've asked many people on this podcast, as you reflect on your time as a leader and even in your coaching, I mean, talk about a perfect leadership role. How has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? I think leadership demands the best of you and is among the hardest things to do, and thus requires the closest relationship with him. And so 
the more that I have stepped into leading in any capacity, I have had to really connect with him even more and further and deeper. And that is something that I cherish and love more than anything else. It's just that relationship itself. So that's what happens to me. That concludes this episode of the Leading Saints podcast. We'd love to hear from you about your questions or thoughts or comments. You can either leave a comment on the uh, post related to this episode at leadingsaints.org or go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and send us your perspective or questions. If there's other episodes or topics you'd like to hear on the Leading Saints podcast, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and share with us the information there. And we would love for you to share this with any individual you think this would apply to, especially maybe individuals in your ward council or other leaders that you may know who would really appreciate the perspectives that we discussed. And remember, to review the Mentally Healthy Saints Library, click the link in the show notes or go to leadingsaints.org slash 14. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.